Hello, everyone. Welcome to our 23rd episode of Think Compliance. Join us as we discuss incidents and investigations. Ahmed Salim will be sharing his experience investigating some very complicated incidents. So hello and welcome to Think Compliance, brought to you by Complietric and Ahmed Salim. My name is Dagmar Austin. Happy to be co-hosting this podcast with you, Ahmed. Hi, Dagmar. For our new listeners, Think Compliance was created in order to assist compliance professionals in building their program. During every podcast, we will discuss a new compliance issue and provide insight on how to ensure your organization is following best practices. Now, it's important to note that the information provided in our podcasts are the opinions of our presenters and should not be considered legal advice. If you have any questions, hit us up on Twitter at ThinkComply. So let's get started. Ahmed, how's it going today? I'm doing well, Dagmar. How's everything on your end? Pretty good. Good start of the new year. I uh, I just re- uh, reviewed your latest release. Uh, looks like you published an article in Compliance Today. Uh, called the ABCs and effective investigation process. So this is actually, uh, it's going to be a two part. Um, First part kind of goes over some introductory and the second part will come out next month in the February issue of compliance today. Awesome. Um, Just upon reviewing it briefly, it looks like um, you kind of go into detail about receiving and triaging a concern. Yeah. So, you know, being in compliance for as long as I have, there's a couple things that you start to realize that are important that sometimes lose the importance over time. Uh, something that I feel like doesn't get talked about enough in our field is the importance of conducting a thorough and effective investigation. And, you know, people ask, well, what does that mean? That just sounds like a bunch of, uh, you know, fancy words. I like to start with the story. So when I first started in compliance, I had an issue where it was a hospital. We had a patient uh, who was uh, had a diagnosis of HIV. They're in the uh, medical room with the nurse and their daughter. They asked their daughter to kindly step out. And when the daughter stepped out, the patient then asked the nurse not to disclose the HIV status. The nurse understood and said, not a problem, walked out the room. As the nurse walked out the room, a moment later, the daughter walked back in and the physician walked in. It was so quick that the nurse never had a chance to speak to the physician. So the physician started questioning, kind of doing some background on the patient and asked the patient if they were taking any medication. The patient said no. The doctor looked a bit confused and asked, aren't you taking any medication for your HIV status? The patient- In front of the daughter too? In in front of the daughter. Yeah, so big issue, patient, super upset, kicks the daughter out of the room, starts yelling at the doctor and so forth. So this came to us as a minor concern, right? The patient didn't bring it to us. It was just mentioned in passing through, uh, I think, one of the uh, clinical staff. What we did is we conducted a thorough investigation. We spoke to the patients, spoke to the doctor, right? Spoke to the nurse, understood the situation, did what we need to do, did our risk assessment, and, and then... Uh, you know, documented in our occurrence reporting system, and then 
that was it, right? Whatever disciplinary actions or whatever we decided happened and happened. Flash forward, we get a letter from the OCR, Office of Civil Rights, asking for more information on the issue that I just spoke about because the patient reached out to them. And as we all know, HIV is a very protected class. So we had to go through an OCR investigation. If it wasn't for the, if it wasn't for our ability to actually take the investigation seriously the first time, we would have been in a lot of trouble with the Office of Civil Rights. The fact that we had documentation, we could show case notes, we could show doc, uh, we could show notes based on interviews that we had with the patient and the clinicians, the risk assessment, and essentially what we did on outcome. You know that really helped us when we kind of painted the story to the Office of Civil Rights. We didn't get anything except a technical reminder of what was appropriate. But, you know, that taught me very early in my career how important it is to actually take every investigation, no matter how serious or not serious you may think it is, seriously and take the appropriate steps necessary to, you know, complete an investigation. What was the timeline between, you know, when the incident occurred and when the OCR called you? It was almost a year later. You know, so, uh, and that's the thing, right? Like oftentimes we're asked to remember things. If it's an audit, if it's an investigation from months, even more than a year previously. So that's why documenting and making sure you have a good process um, in place, really helpful. So sorry, I wanted to start off the conversation with that story because that story always sticks with me when I kind of get investigation. Sometimes I think, oh, it's, it, there's nothing here. You know, do the appropriate legwork because you never know what's going to happen. Well, let's dive deeper into, you know, what it takes to really conduct that thorough and effective investigation. Start at the beginning. How do you begin an investigation? Let's put aside the, you know, receiving a concern, right? So you receive the concern. It's important to then triage. Look at the concern and understand essentially, what is the concern about, right? Is it a privacy issue? Is it a billing issue? Is it a coding issue, right? That should level set your frame of mind of what it is you're going to need to do. If it's a privacy issue, who do you need to speak to? If it's a billing issue, what documents do you need to pull, right? If it's a coding issue, same type of thing as a billing issue, right? Who you may need to speak to, what processes may you need to understand, what codes do you need to understand, and what documents, right, will you need to pull? And that's the most important thing, understanding and triaging what type of case you're going to be working on and kind of classifying it. And who is usually involved in an investigation? Well, so obviously compliance and whoever in compliance is helping out on the investigation. So if it's the, if it's the individual compliance officer in your organization and any specialists and then anyone else you need to pull in, right? So let's just take a uh, privacy matter. For example, you're going to have the individual that was accused of the violation. You're going to have any witnesses and you're going to speak to the individual that brought the issue forward if they're the ones that were affected or whoever was affected by the privacy breach. You know, when you when you start your path to investigation, it's important that you you kind of have that initial outline of, okay, what is it that you're trying to achieve and how are you going to best achieve that? And when you think about who you need to speak with, like that's a very early stage. Okay, let's think about who we need to bring in. And, you know, this is, investigations are like living and breathing things. Things are going to change as stuff comes up. You may not realize you need to speak to someone until you speak to the third person who happens to mention that they witnessed it 
or they have something that can clarify, you know, some gaps in some of the stories. So it's just important that you take that initial time to organize, but at the same time, understand that you're not going to capture everything, but that's why you're organizing the front to capture anything you'd be missing later. When you're reaching out to these individuals to conduct your interviews, um, you know, do you find that people are open and willing to share information? Are people scared? Um, you know, what are the nuances in regards to um, into that forum? Yeah. I mean, in an ideal world, people would be more than willing to speak to compliance. Unfortunately, we're often looked at as the police or we're looked at as, you know, not team players. So sometimes it may be difficult. I've had different situations where I've been a part of organizations where, uh, you know, staff have unions. And it's a process to get an interview with the staff member because you have to go through the union. There has to be a union rep and so forth. Um, so it, it kind of goes on a case-by-case scenario and it goes by a person-by-person scenario. Um, I think the important thing is no matter what organization you're in, there is a general understanding that if you're conducting an investigation, the organization expects employees to be available for the investigation. And are these investigations, um, are they usually all confidential? Yes. So it's important to kind of understand the varying degrees of confidential. And what I mean by that is you're going to share information with colleagues as you may need some help figuring out something, connecting some dots. But generally, you're not going to be sharing information that is confidential in nature with anyone. So, um, you know, let's just say, go back to the privacy issue. You're not going to be uh, sharing confidential patient information that's not necessary. But if there's a, you know, certain process that you may not understand, you know, that you're trying to understand for the investigation, you, you can ask those questions to someone else in the compliance department to see if they, they know it or someone else in, you know, the organization that may not need to know about why you're asking, but you can ask about the certain process. And I'm just looking here on your uh, the article you just published. Um, you talk about alerting stakeholders and how imperative it is to alert all stakeholders of any concerns. Who would be, you know, the stakeholders that were involved in the incident you just told the story about? You know, you're talking about the individual whose privacy may have been breached. You're talking about the individual that may have uh, been the reason why the information is breached. And then any witnesses on top of that, any leadership individuals that need to understand a privacy breach occurred in their department. This is what's going on. And you're conducting investigation. It's just uh, the learning stakeholders are really just making sure people understand and you're giving them the opportunity to know that you're conducting investigation. In my experience, I've learned that people don't like to be blindsided and they really don't like when compliance speaks to their employees um, since there's always that mindset of compliance is the police. I think it always helps when you have leadership work with you hand in hand um, to kind of alert stakeholders if it's the individual affected or the one that you're going to have to speak to because they were the reason for the privacy breach to help set up those meetings and kind of break the ice. Ahmed, what is the hardest part of conducting an investigation? There's a number of things that I, I guess we could construe as hard, but I think the top of the list for anyone is really trying to get your stakeholders, right, the individuals involved in the investigation to speak. It's difficult, right? I mean, even if it's a witness, no one wants to feel like they are tattling on a situation, you know, or sometimes people don't remember. Sometimes people don't feel comfortable talking. 
And that's always difficult because what you're trying to do in your investigation is really just trying to protect the organization and do what's right. And sometimes it's not it's not black and white. You know, you may be calling a witness who happens to be the best friend of the individual being accused, you know, and they don't want to speak and they're avoiding time to meet with you and they're telling you that they don't remember and so forth, right? And it's just trying to get that message through that what you're doing, right, with the investigation is to protect the patient if that's the case, to protect the organization. It's And it's everyone's role in the organization, you know, to work to get to a conclusion, right? It's not really our role to just conduct the investigation, but it's the expectation that everyone in the organization wants to make sure that we're being ethical and compliant. And a part of that is making sure we follow up on investigations, conduct whatever risk assessments need to be conducted, and do the appropriate follow-up actions. And that can only happen if we're getting good information from you know, the individuals involved in the issues brought forward. So for our listeners today, do you have any tips that you've learned um, your, over your years conducting investigations? So um, the, the most important tip I've learned, and I think we started off by um, giving that story, which I like to tell, is really don't take any investigation lightly. You never know what's going to happen from investigation. You may think something is very small, but you have to remember someone brought that forward to you. And though you may think it's small, that individual thought it was important enough to bring forward and it's important to them. And you know that, that means you've got to conduct an appropriate investigation no matter how big the event may be in your subjective opinion, right? So you've got to conduct whatever interviews need to be conducted. You have to document, right? Um, you know, pull any documentation you need, keep any documents for notes that you've kept. If there needs to be a risk assessment, if there needs to be follow-up actions, like these are all things that need to be documented. Um, And if you don't feel like the case is warranted for that, you still have to provide the documentation that kind of outlines and explains why the case doesn't need that. And I think that's probably the best tip I can give is, you know, treat every investigation as the same. I've heard a lot of people say, treat every concern as if it's a snowflake. Uh, It's a good way to say it. I know sometimes people get into this habit of, oh, this is the 10th privacy issue I've gotten this week. It's the same type of issue. It is what it is. I know what I need to do. Here's a risk assessment and I'm done. Like, no, everything is different, right? It may appear on its face to be the same. And who knows, maybe it is the same, but we can't treat it like that because there's going to be that time where the case isn't the same, the facts aren't the same, it may have resulted for some another reason. And next thing you know, you didn't investigate and you find out that you actually have a major problem and something that you've been told about and you've just decided not to look into it. So the importance of due diligence, no matter how small of a snowflake it might appear to initially be. Exactly. Ahmed, what can derail an investigation? Well, aside from not appropriately following up, from the get-go, not planning, right? Not getting the appropriate people to speak to, not understanding what the true issue at heart is. Right. And even if you're getting individuals to speak with your inability to actually extract the information you need, sometimes people don't realize when you're setting up for an interview, you should you should already know what you want to ask. You should never go into an interview cold trying to figure out what you want to ask the individual you brought forward. You should have questions prepped. You should have questions on questions you know, walk through. And, you know, sometimes you may go into a meeting where you have no idea what to expect, but you should have some form of baseline expectation of what you're going to ask, right? Because that's why you're calling the individual in. So, you know, that's, that's the most important thing that 
you know, I would tell people to keep in mind is the prep work, because if you don't do the prep work, you're going to be pretty unhappy with the output and kind of derailed with your lack of being organized and prepared. If any of our listeners have questions, can they reach out to you? Always. Contact us. We're at Think Comply on Twitter. Um, for emails, you can email us at info at compliatric.com. We are very interested in reaching out to the community. And if you have an interest in being a participant on Think Compliance, we would love to have you. You know, I want to echo that sentiment. We want to hear from, you know, our listeners. It's important that we cover topics that are pertinent to you. Um, you know, we're taking it from our point of view and what we're seeing in the news and what we see on a day-to-day basis. But if there's something that you want to learn more about or something, uh, a topic that you feel we may have an expertise in that you want to hear more about, let us know. Reach out via email, Twitter, um, you know, give us a call, whatever works best for you. But we really want to make sure that, you know, we're touching all potential topics. So I want to thank everyone for uh, joining us today for Think Compliance. Again, please join us for our next podcast. And you can reach out to us on Twitter at Think Comply and also via email at info at compliatric.com. Thanks, Ahmed. Really appreciate talking to you today. Thanks, Dagmar. Have a good one.